1: For the Sacramento Bee, we are previewing the Sunday night football game between the 49ers and the Packers. It's the home opener at Levi Stadium. First time fans will be in the stadium since the 49ers blew out the Packers in the 2020 NFC Championship game. We're going to do our pregame draft like we did last week. Got some good positive feedback on that. So we are going to go through and draft the players that we think uh, are set to have great games against the against the Packers for the 49ers. And then we'll be joined by former Packers safety, Packers Hall of Famer, uh, four-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, Super Bowl champion, all-decade safety, uh, Leroy Butler. Um, he is also now a host at 12.50 a.m., the fan in Milwaukee. Really, really fun conversation with him, the originator of the Lambeau Leap. Talk to him about that. Talk to him about the Niners-Packers rivalry. And just tomorrow, uh, Sunday night's matchup and who he likes in that one and uh, what's going, what he thinks the Packers have going for them and uh, what he thinks the 49ers have going for them as well. So enjoy that and let's get into it.
0: Blue Liar. Hey, this is George Kittle and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles.
1: Ten yard Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. I settled on "Let's get into it." Okay. No, I like I think I stole Lego. It from another, like, I, I, I've, I've got to write some more down. Right. I just did. Let's get into it. Just kind of off the top the other day, and I definitely like. It's another, a different. Like, there's a comedian podcast that says, "Get into it." And I just want to I, I want to do something a little different. Just make it our own. You know,
2: yeah, let's get into it as a whole different thing.
1: It is. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: feels natural for sure. Yeah, I, so, I
1: appreciate that. So let's let's dive right into our to our draft here. Our 49ers Packers kind of faux fantasy draft because we're not yeah. keeping exact stats. We're just kind of doing a general like, yeah, yeah, had a pretty good game. <laughs> Right. So we are going to we're going to dive into that. Any Niners news we need to get into off the top? It sounds like Elisha Mitchell's probably not going to play.
2: Yeah. So Elijah Mitchell was not at practice today, or at least not. He was at practice. He wasn't participating. He wasn't dressed, Um, which Wednesday and Thursday are typically the two biggest practices of the week. Obviously, Friday is more of a walkthrough. So in most cases, when a young guy in particular misses those practices, it's it's unlikely he's going to play. Um, so that's certainly something that's concerning because, you know, Trey Sermon's still working through the concussion protocol, although it sounds like Kyle Shanahan's optimistic that he'll play, but behind Sermon who wasn't good enough to suit up week one, apparently, and who only got one carry in week two. So now Sermon's the presumed starter. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. You have Jakez Patrick um, who was signed off the Bengals practice squad. Michael Hasty is going to go on IR with a high ankle sprain. Um, and so you have carry on Johnson, who I think is the most likely guy to get elevated from the practice squad, the former Lions second round pick. Um, and you have Chris Thompson who was signed this week. Uh, and you have Trenton Cannon who was available and played against Philadelphia, made a special teams tackle, had one carry, but just a lot of question marks. Right. And And so these are obviously pretty big injuries or like the, the situation is under the microscope because it's, the 49ers love to run the ball, they're running at the third highest rate in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're without their starter, Raheem mostly really who they lost for the year, and now they're out with their sec, potentially their second guy, Elijah Mitchell, with a shoulder injury. And so, we'll see. Um, that's sort of the news of the week, I would say. And and if I had to venture a guess at cornerback, I think it's going to be Josh Norman, um, Nick Over left- Emmanuel
1: Mosley. No,
2: I think Emmanuel Mosley's going to come back. Um, he's been practicing, He's he's been. Uh, He looks pretty healthy, at least from my vantage point, coming off the knee injury. And again, we don't get to watch team drills at this point, but Mm -hmm. I think Emmanuel Mosley and Josh Norman are going to be the cornerbacks. The 49ers, the 49ers trotted Josh Norman out to the media today, which came right after Nick Bose has said when he was asked a question about those chop blocks from receivers and tight ends, he was like, Uh well, I think Josh is really good at communicating those. So I'll, I'll be more prepared for those. Indicating that Josh Norman's. Going oh, to start, interesting. Or, or at least people in the defensive meeting room think Josh Norman's going to start. So um, it's going to be Josh Norman, I think. And against Devonte Adams. And so the guy who would be the odd guy out is D'Amador Lenore. Right. Um, which I think you go with the vet, the savvy veteran, even if he isn't what he was physically, maybe over the rookie whose head might be spinning if right. he has to go against Devonte Adams. So, Um, that's sort of the news of the week there. It's, it hasn't been the newsiest week. Um, but I guess people are uh, fairly concerned about the running back situation, but ultimately they can run the ball. I think sort of regardless who the running back is. That's what Kyle Shanahan and Bobby Turner have hung their hat on for a long time.
1: Yeah. They're going to run. We may not see the explosive 40, 50 yard touchdown runs, but they're going to gain yards on the ground. They'll figure out ways to do that. Agree. Especially against the Packers defense that through two weeks hasn't looked great. Agree. And there's I think there's been a
2: lot of stuff that they've the Kyle Shanahan and and Mike McDaniel have kept in their back pocket from a schematic standpoint that they can utilize against Green Bay. We didn't see any of the play action boot stuff, really, in Philadelphia. Right. right? Like we George Kittle had four targets and a lot of his routes were just sort of running to the flat and being an outlet, which was weird. And and I did ask Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel about that today. They didn't answer the question super directly because they don't love talking about scheme. Right. But it was, well, we wanted to run the ball and George was so dominant as a run blocker and the opportunities that he did have, he was getting triple teamed, et cetera, et cetera. So hmm. to me, it's, it's setting up to where George Kittle could potentially have a big game. Um, and so as we get into our draft, I'm sure his draft position will reflect that because I think you and I are I an going to say, here. let's just let's
1: just dive right into it. that's a great we could transition dive in. Yeah. You. So
2: so we're giving so I gave you the first pick last week. And again, this very about, generous. This isn't about stats. It's just about so we each pick three guys, six guys total who we think is going to have the biggest impact on the game or who is going to play the best.
1: Right. Although right? when we recap it Monday, typically a guy with great stats is going to have had a great game yes typically typically
2: but like george kittle did have a very good game he was pancaking right. guys left and right. right even mike mcdaniel said today in his press conference that he thought that was one of the best games george kittles played mm-hmm. even though he only had four catches for 17 yards right um so do i have to draft kittle now i feel like i've, I've you could leave him for me you know what i'm gonna z- i'm gonna zag wow i'm gonna go with nick bosa okay um by the way, I had I had the just the great pleasure to ask Nick Bosa about his vaccination status today, <laughs> To which uh, I, I've I've been assigned a story about vaccinations throughout sports in the league. And I'm in the building and Nick is talking. So I figure I have to ask Nick Bosa about it. I was like, so because Nick Bosa's been vaccinated. So he was very upfront about talking about not being vaccinated when he was first asked the question during training camp. So he's been vaccinated since then. I asked,
1: have he did his research?
2: <laughs> I asked, you know, so you're vaccinated now. Could you explain the reasoning why and what your hesitancy might have been? Fully expecting Nick Bosa to shut me down because Nick Bosa has not talked about anything political, anything controversial away from football.
1: Well, and if he doesn't want to talk 49ers. about it, like it's his, like he doesn't have to.
2: No, he doesn't have to talk. Yeah, about it. I, have, I have to I ask him. I wouldn't blame it's, him. It's, it's no, I don't blame him at all. And it's yeah. just my job to ask the question, right? Let right. happen today. Um, and I just wanted full disclosure be honest. I know people are gonna like react to oh, some reporter asked Nick Bosa. It's, it's like I have a job to do, I've been assigned a vaccination story, I'm writing about it anyway. I am going to draft Nick Bosa first overall in this draft because I think he's going to have a big game on Sunday night because the Packers tackle situation as. Leroy Butler mentions later on in in, uh, in this podcast I think it's kind of a mess Eric Bakhtiari's out he's one of the best tackles in the league um it could be that Dennis Kelly plays right tackle while Billy Turner moves so Titans left tackle... legend be... say it again Titans legend Dennis Kelly Titan... oh of course you're you're all up on the, the former Titans guy Titan guys um and Sorry, go ahead El... <laughs> Elton Jenkins, who's the backup left tackle, mispracticed this week because of an apparent ankle injury. So Nick Bosa is either going to play a second, second or third string tackle um, on the left side if he lines up against the left side, which also means it, there's a potential to be a second or third string tackle on the right side. Um, so I'm going to go with Nick Bosa. He's had three sacks. He's coming off a two-sack game. Um, one guy who we haven't talked about much on this podcast, so I'm also writing about, although it's off, off field stuff, um, is Eric Armstead and yeah. his 15 pressures this season are second most in the league. He has one more than Aaron Donald, which is not bad. Um, doesn't have a sack yet, but I think one of Bosa's sacks that he had on Sunday was a result of, of an Armstead pressure. Um, but there with was Armstead, a- with Armstead playing well, with Bosa playing well, with the Packers, Offensive line situation being what it is, I'm going to take Nick Bosa. I think he has an opportunity to have multiple sacks and or create a turnover in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nick Bosa is going to be my first pick.
1: Yeah, Bosa in a 17 game season, very quietly on pace for 25 and a half sacks with three through uh through two games. Yeah, just a just a real quick, uh, just to you've said everything that can be said. Nick Bosa is really good, and he's going against probably a second or third string tackle. I mean, that's a good pick. With Eric Armstead, though, um, I think it was Johnny Volk, the Niners social media guy that posted a clip of Bosa's second sack. And Armstead and Contavious Street run this stunt. And Armstead just clears out the right guard in the center just at once. And it just created havoc inside because the pocket was gone and everybody was in the backfield. So, yeah, Eric Armstead, quietly affecting games. So on, contavia on the Street. yeah contavia street's been really good yeah it's been really really good uh my first pick is the guy we were just talking about it's going to be george kittle the niners aren't going to have too many too many stretches where i think what do you get in the first game five targets they're not going to have um, a lot of they're not going to have a lot of stretches where he's getting like single digit low single digit targets And again, we're going to hear from Laurie Butler later. The Packers just don't have anybody that can cover him. And I'm, I'm, I'm doubtful that the strategy is going to continue to be to triple team George Kittle. And I think that all those tosses they ran last week against the Eagles one of those is going to be a fake where Garoppolo spins back the other way and George Kittle is, is wide open somewhere on the field and he turns it into a big play. So I think George Kittle has a really nice game statistically, and I'm, I'm tapping him for a, a monster, you know, 40, 50 yard play uh, at some point. He's due for a big game. Yeah, it's just they're not going to have two games in a row where you have four catches for 20 yards.
2: Yeah, I I don't think it's a coincidence that ahead of the Packers game, clearly the biggest game of the first three, the 49ers have that George Kittle didn't have a huge explosive game against Philly. Yeah, I think part of that's by design. I I think there are things that they're going to do on the field Sunday night that they just didn't have on film Sunday. Yeah, uh, in Philly. So, okay. Um, let me see. Pick number three. So Nick Bosa and George Kittle are off the board. I'm going to take Fred Warner.
3: Oh,
1: good one.
2: Um, because he's really, really good and he's just really good. I think he he affects the game (laughs) in ways. He affects the game in ways just so far beyond making tackles and making plays. Um, I talked, I asked Josh Norman today about fred warner because you know josh norman played with luke Keekley, mm-hmm. um you know arguably a, a hall of fame caliber linebacker yeah. whose career was cut short with, with concussion issues but somebody that Keekley talked about as an offensive coordinator in the defensive huddle in that he studied so much and knew formations so well that he could tell his teammates what the plays were um as the offense was lining up And he said, Josh Norman said, Fred Warner has that same effect. Like he, he thinks there's a very good comparison to make between Keekly and Warner with where they're at from the mental aspect of the game right now. And that really, that really stuck out to me because I don't think, you know, Josh Norman, if you watch Josh Norman press conferences, he's an interesting cat. Like he is a, he just thinks about the world differently. And I, I don't think he's necessarily hyperbolic when it comes to, um, you know, there there are guys who are who everybody every
1: everybody compares ask, to a Hall of Famer.
2: Yeah, everybody you ask him about, oh, that guy's awesome, incredible player, Blah, even though it's a, like a super mediocre guy. <laughs> I don't think Josh Norman is that type of guy. So to hear him talk about Fred Warner in that Luke Keekley vein and talking about being on that type of trajectory. Um, I think is really telling and we know that there's an immense respect level between fred warner and aaron Rodgers because the two have a relationship we remember aaron Rodgers telling fred warner uh but last year two years mm-hmm. last year mm-hmm. that he's the best linebacker in the game and i don't think aaron Rodgers would say that to just anybody if he didn't really believe it i agree um they're also represented by the same agency so they do have a little bit of a relationship but um i think fred warner is going to elevate his game i think he's going to be super charged up i think he's going to be talking a lot of shit I think the fans in the crowd are going to impact the game in a similar way to how it negatively impacted the game from the 49ers standpoint in Philadelphia early last Mm -hmm. week when the stadium was just on fire. Um, I think that Levi's Stadium has the same potential given that fans are going to be back. That's going to benefit the defense. Um, So I think Fred Warner is going to have a big night, whether it's just a ton of tackles, uh, probably a couple tackles for loss, maybe a turnover. He's going to blitz more, I think. Mm -hmm. So it'll be a really interesting chess match. Like the Fred Warner-Aaron Rodgers chess match is going to be second to none just in terms of two elite guys at their position playing against each other. So I'm taking Fred Warner.
1: I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. He's also – I feel like Fred Warner is the kind of player who can be a foil to the Shanahan, you know, Lafleur offense – and that they get sideline to sideline. Those they 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 get through blockers. Those those stretch runs go for you know no gain because he's beating the back to the corner. Uh, he's not he's not a guy that you can just say okay, hey, we're gonna run Randall Cobb across the middle and create a mismatch. He's he's kind of matchup proof in that sense too. So I I really like that. Uh, I really like that pick, and I think Warner for sure has has a good game maybe even a sack too I think he had a strip sack in the regular season game in 2019 against the Packers
2: was that the DeForest Buckner touchdown or no that was a Seahawks game
1: yeah the one the one you're thinking of it it that was a Seahawks game. it gave Monday the Niners the ball like on the goal line though
2: right and then they scored early yeah yeah, yeah I remember that both Nick Bosa
1: recovered it yes correct I remember
2: Tone setter
1: that's that's what Um, they call it tone setter totally tone setting big time (laughs) so i feel like if we're gonna have nick bosa go one we -hmm. should probably pick another defensive lineman so i'm gonna go with d ford even though we talked about eric armstead a little bit earlier oh interesting d ford has had a had a pretty nice start to the year and he i don't think he's gonna play a ton per usual but I think that this is a game where he can really have an impact because the Packers are going to be so focused on where's 54, where's 97. Eric Armstead has been excellent as a pass rusher inside. I just think D Ford's going to get a couple of free runs at the quarterback, and I could see him cashing in on those and and really kind of having that like, hey, D Ford is back type of game. Even though he's really good in week one, uh, I think this might be that national stage. Like, I could see if the Niners win and D Ford has a sack and a half or two sacks, people are like the Niners defensive line is back. Watch out. Yeah.
2: I can see that. I don't hate it at all. I, in that spot, maybe reaching, I might be reaching. Yeah. I mean, if it were me in that pick, I think, and I was going defensive line, I would have gone Eric Armstead. Yeah. Um, But for the sake of this exercise, I don't want to, I don't want to take Armstead because I don't want, we've talked about the defensive line um enough at this point
1: so i'm making going our to... picks based on what part of the field we're talking about
2: i mean we want to give we want to give the listeners yeah, spread a spread it a around all encompassing analysis right
1: for sure um but i also want to win so like sure i want to win too that's why you want to know you're one to know
2: Oh, you're giving me the win last week? Okay. You definitely had the win last week. Okay, fine. Uh, last
1: week, it. last week, you had Bosa, Garoppolo, and Debo. I had Kittle, Jimmy Ward, and Alex Mack. That's a definite W for you. Okay, fair. Um, I'm going to
2: take Trent Williams. Hmm. Because I think Trent Williams is playing at a super high level. I think whether the 49ers run the ball or pass the ball, it's going to include very good Trent Williams play. Uh, with Zedaria Smith being out, I think that's obviously a big blow to the Packers defense and is going to make life a little bit easier on Trent Williams. And I think there hasn't been many of those like viral blocks from Trent Williams yet where he just like has a full head of steam and it just freight trains the linebacker. I think right. this game has some mm. of some there's some Trent Williams highlight possibilities here.
1: Um, he can do some stuff
2: he can do some stuff particularly in space he is I'm just in awe like he's one of those people that when you see them in person you're just like that doesn't make sense
1: yeah how does he he, how does he move like that that guy
2: should not move like that like he moves (laughs) he moves as well as anybody on the field but he's also like 330 pounds yeah And like in individual drills, you see him in practice where it's like guys will try a bunch of moves and sometimes it'll work like sometimes Trent Williams will be admittedly, he'll be working on certain techniques and they won't work against certain moves and he'll get beat. But there are other times where like somebody will just try a move and he'll just like grab their chest plate and just pull them down to the ground. Just like toss him. a grown
1: person a
2: a three nfl player nfl lineman <laughs> defensive lineman he'll just he'll just toss did and and it's just like he I, i've just never seen anybody do that
1: did um, did you see did you see the clip that was going around I, I wish i could remember who posted it of what trent williams did to eagles rookie defensive end taryn jackson did not jackson tries to get upfield on him and Williams just like, he pushes him by the shoulder, but it looks like he just smacks him and just tosses him like five yards up the field. One hand. <laughs> it's, it's really, really funny. I'm going to find the clip and send it to you, but yeah, um, it was just a perfect example of what you're talking about.
2: And he's just, he's also a technician, right? right.
1: Like he's just an
2: extremely intelligent football player and all of that, just the, the entire package, right? Like the athleticism, the raw strength and physical traits and then just the football the the technical aspects of football like he's he's just on a completely different planet um and so i i i have to pick him here because i just feel like the 40 i think the 49ers are going to play really well offensively despite all the running back issues yeah and when they play well offensively that's that's going to include a, a strong Trent Williams
1: performance, particularly against a defensive line that's missing Zedarius Smith. So injuries last year took away from the fact that the 49ers swindled Trent Williams for a fifth and a future third. They did.
2: That was which a is very, bananas. very good deal. We're critical of, of some and, and a lot of the things that the front office has done. I think rightfully so. I think we're very fair. Um, but the Trent Williams trade was an absolute swindle. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that like a team trading for Trent Williams would only do it knowing that Williams wanted to be there. And so a big part of that was Williams wanted to play for Kyle Shanahan and Chris Forrester with the 49ers. So that was a big part of it too. But yeah, an absolute steal. I don't know how Washington didn't try to get more leverage out of that. Yeah. But worked out for the 49ers. Like if the 49ers had to trade a first round pick, they're not getting Trent Lance. Right. Correct. Right. Yep. So, you know, yeah, probably at least huge, huge steal somehow. Um. All right, number six, your last pick. Some interesting names on the board.
1: Ross Dwelly, ready, ready and available. So is Charlie Warner, though, and that's where my dilemma comes. <laughs> um. No, I am going to go with Brandon Ayuk this week. Ooh. Over You've Debo taken Samuel,
2: taking a swing. I like
1: it. I am because. I, again, not, not because anything Debo Samuel has, has, has done like, in, in fact, it's the opposite. I think the Packers are going to try very hard to ensure that Debo Samuel doesn't, um, doesn't rack up six, seven or eight catches because he's going to turn that into 90 or hundred or 150 yards. And I just think that Brandon Ayuk's first couple weeks have been really slow. He's a super talented player. He outsnapped Trent Shurfield by 14 last week. And I just think we're going to see this kind of progression of his production. And I think this is the week that he, I don't think he's going to get 10 targets or anything, but I think he's going to get enough targets and have enough kind of one-on-one opportunities to win those matchups and turn his targets into, into some really good numbers.
2: I agree I think it's a very ballsy pick. I would have, t- I would have taken Debo there. But I will say, at practice today during one-on-one drills, um, I forget who the cornerback was, but Brandon Ayuk ran a deep, a nine route as mm-hmm. as the experts would say, right? Yeah, the football you, guys would call. Been it. grinding the tape. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he ran a nine route, which is just a streak, right? And uh, Jimmy Garoppolo threw him a back shoulder pass. That was high and away from his body and was the opposite direction in which Ayuk's momentum was taking him Mm -hmm. and he leaped and reached back and made just a a great catch with his hands and contorted his body and got two feet in bounds before falling out out of bounds. And this was just an individual driller early on in practice, but it was the type of play that you're like, Oh yeah, he's super athletic and super skilled.
1: Well, right. Even his even
2: his catch last week was insane. Yeah, it was, it was so very high and outside, that. just on the opposite side of the field, is on the left sideline. Mm. But yeah, similar and and deeper downfield, and so yeah, I'm with you. I think the fact that Ayuk out Shurfield Surefield indicates that the the coaching staff is is in, mm-hmm. or at least back in to to the point where like okay, Ayuk is no longer practicing like shit. If he was practicing like shit. Sure. Um, And so, yeah, I I think there's a possibility. I just, he's too good. I think he's made of the right stuff in that. I don't think whatever he was dealing with, whether it was just a hamstring injury, whether it was anything else, I think he's too good to have a quiet season. Yeah. Right. So I I think, as you said, there's going to be so much emphasis on slowing Kittle and so much emphasis on slowing Debo Samuel that it might be the time that Brandon Ayuk has a breakout game. And I I think Kyle Shanahan might force it a little bit because he wants to build Ayuk's confidence back up and he Mm -hmm. wouldn't mind the rest of the league knowing like, Hey, we have three guys you have to cover, right? Not just one or two, right? Like we have three guys that you have to cover and that potentially could lead down the road to making the 49ers much more difficult to defend, make the 49ers be able to run the ball better, lighter boxes, all of those things. Um I think I think Ayuk has I'm not predicting it, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Ayuk has a big game on Sunday night.
1: I hope he does because I picked him. The the other the other player um before we recap, the other player that I was really considering was Trey Sermon. Oh, interesting. So you're going with with you're you're buying while the stock's low. Yeah, I'm buying all the Trey Sermon, Brandon Ayuk. Like, here's the thing: it was one carry, but Trey Sermon's eight-yard carry was like the second best run of the day for the Niners. I thought he looked; he was explosive the way he got around the corner. Um, He finished the run really hard and got popped in the head. Um, So I, I think that he he has an opportunity to be a really good player. The fact that he was a healthy scratch in Week One doesn't change, like. How I think he fits in the offense. So I, I, if he's going to get fourteen or fifteen carries, I think he's going to have a really productive night.
2: It's interesting that they did add a bigger running back in Jaquez Patrick mm-hmm. because it three two thirty five. Yeah, it might because Sermon's a big guy too. He's like two two twenty five or two twenty something like that. Um, it might be like a big running back game plan right like if you have sermon and then patrick is also available backing him up it might be like all right we're we we've done the speed back outside zone stuff we're gonna play a little bit more physical with our running game and be a little bit more between the tackles Mm -hmm. and it's gonna be it's gonna be about the big backs this week in the running game potentially like that one that wouldn't be crazy because like there's a lot of the outside zone stuff is sort of predicated on that speed element that Raheem Mostert and Elijah Mitchell have, and Jamichael Hasty has to a lesser extent. Um, but I think you do need to play schematically a little bit different <clears throat> if your game plan is revolving around Trey Sermon and potentially Jaquez, not Jaquez, Jaquez Patrick, according to the pronunciation guide.
1: Yeah, it's is it is it the emphasis on the ja or the emphasis on the kez? That I'm not sure jacques or jacques <laughs> <laughs> you know, great question uh, thank you i can i can report I can't. back next week uh, i will be at the game on sunday in the press box and i can't wait to look at the flip card to find out it'll be on there thought, boy it better be it will
2: be on there yeah i'm man it's been a while since we've we've had the gang all all in the press box together
1: i know i'm really uh the divisional playoffs against the vikings was the last game i attended in person
2: yeah, so it'll, I it'll be applied for
1: you. a credential. I got it. I'll probably be way down at the end. Not even sure I'll have a seat, but I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be in the building.
2: Yeah, I mean, there, the the seats are there. You'll have a seat. I think. <laughs> okay, helps. So. It, it's a big ass press box.
1: It, I know. I've been
2: there. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I, know paid, the I don't know. I just, I don't know.
1: Sunday night football, Green Bay's media travels, and
2: yeah, you know, I mean, I you're, you're credentialed, so you'll you'll get a spot. It's not fingers a crossed. Game fingers crossed it's not a playoff game i've i've never seen anybody put it I, i've never seen anybody during a regular season game get credential and not
1: have a seat in the press box if not i'm gonna just stand next to you and write on my phone <laughs> um okay i'm kidding i would not okay. do that to you i would not <laughs> even come close to subjecting you to that uh thanks everybody uh for checking this out let's recap real quick um you took nick bosa first yes i took george kittle second you took Fred Warner third. Yep. I took D Ford fourth. You took Trent Williams fifth, yep. and I went with Brandon Ayuk. So I'm so, hoping for a big game from the offense cuz I've Kittle and Ayuk.
2: I went real safe and you took some big swings. D Ford and Brandon Ayuk high upside.
1: Yeah, with right. big
2: swings. Right, I'm Kittle is for safe. Sailings. I like the Kittle. I like the Kittle pick. Not that yeah. I dislike the other picks. Well,
1: but but the, who was I going to take? You were going to go Bosa and then Kittle. One and one and three. No chance. Yeah, that was as much to keep him away from you as it was to have him <laughs> on my team. Sure. Sure. No,
2: I like it. Um. Yeah, and I, we already recorded our our uh, interview with uh, Leroy Butler. Excellent excellent interview really
1: good he's a fun guy um there's so many we've had several guests who come on and just do their it's more so in radio typically podcast people get the deal yeah but they just come on and they're like you know answer their questions very milquetoast very straightforward loroy came on and was ready to have some fun yeah for sure like chris asked him right away just to give you guys a little peel behind the curtain um peel back the curtain, give you a peek behind the curtain. I said, give you a peel behind the curtain uh, to give you a peek behind the curtain. Um, when Leroy first got on before we we're recording, Chris had been looking up the Terrell Owens catch in the uh, 98 wildcard game against Packers. And he was like, was Leroy in coverage on that play? So he's looking it up. And then Leroy came on, like Walker's was looking for it. And so Chris asked him like, Hey, you know, I don't want to bring up a sore subject, but is it cool if we ask you about this? And Laura was like, well, I'm gone and just got up and left and was out of the, <laughs> it was gone for like 30 seconds um, and then came back in. I guess he had to go turn down a TV or something, but it was really, really good. Um, super fun interview. And I hope you guys enjoy it. 49ers football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the Internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. You know why? Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. See, what Tick Pick did is they got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge. That's why I don't go to those sites anymore, because those fees are ridiculous. It allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. You don't believe me? You can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site. If you can do that, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. The 49ers open with two games on the road, but they are back at Levi Stadium September 26th. It's a Sunday night football game at home against the Packers. My mom, my mom has already gotten her tickets. She goes with her friends. I don't have a ticket yet. I'm going to go to TickPick.com and get my tickets there because I'm not going to be charged service fees. I'm going to get the best possible price. And that's what your boy is looking for. I'm going to go enjoy the atmosphere. It's going to be electric. I can't wait to be there, and you should be there too. So visit TickPick.com slash Candlestick today and use the promo code Candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. Do that right now, and we will see you at Levi Stadium on September 26th. All right. Leroy Le Butler's here. Former Packers safety Packers Hall of Famer. He's a four time pro bowler, four tra- time all pro. Leroy, just hang in there for a minute. You got a lot of stuff here. All decade team in the 90s. Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2021 finalist. He's a nominee again in 2022. And now a host at 1250 a.m. The fan in Milwaukee. I invented the Lambo leap. Did I cover everything?
3: Yes. Oh, you know, one thing you left out that now is the 49ers been beating us lately with Jimmy Garoppolo, not without But <laughs> John Lynch got in the Hall of Fame before me. Oh, it's un... at the West Coast. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> what, what do
1: we have to what do we have to do today to help your candidacy? Because we want to see you.
3: Nothing, as John can probably tell you, is nothing we can do. I mean, people who's uh smarter than us figure that stuff out. Mm. But. I'll say this though, uh, making that um, final ten cut was a game changer for me, because you know some you ask some players like, do you think about the Hall of Fame? Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) But players tell you that it's not true. Oh no, I don't think about it because soon they don't get picked. They're stressed out because they know the two things: monetary, of course, yeah, and you want to be able to benefit from it while you're still young, yeah. I mean, right. if you can go in in your 50s and you know, even 60s would be good, but guys like Jerry Kramer waited 38 years, him and Dave Robinson, that was just I mean, that was crazy. But yeah. you know, it is what it is at that point.
2: So I was uh I, I was walking on eggshells a little bit, I guess, as as we started, because I think the first thing I said to you before we started recording was yeah. that I wanted to ask you about the catch two or the the you know the Terrell Owens catch against the Packers. Um, and I went back to look at the highlights, and I just wanted to th- see—I wanted to see where you were on the field. And, and frankly, mm-hmm. the the footage is so grainy that I can't even make out the numbers. So, what was your perspective of that Terrell Owens catch in, the, in well, that playoff game in 1998?
3: First of all, I don't mind you asking. I think that's uh, for the 49er fans. I think it's um, it's okay. I mean, I don't mind. T- but the, the particular play was in a quarter's defense, and and Darren Sharper basically. Um, just wanted to make sure uh, the number two receiver, Owens, just don't catch anything deep. He was just a little too deep in the end zone. Had he came up like a foot, he will probably intercept that pass, because that's the pass we kind of predicted. But the reason why it doesn't really bother me is because Steve Young is one of my favorite people of all time, and I love Terrell Owens. So some, it's almost like Michael Jordan dunking on you. You kind of <laughs> like the guy. <laughs> Dunks on everybody. Steve Young does this to everyone. Right. So it's okay. It's a part of sports. And I don't have dreams about it because they get paid too. Right. I mean, and I think sometimes the fair. They think that uh, we intentionally let Terrell Owens, who had like six drops that day. You felt bad for the guy. Right. And right. for him to win it. And show the emotion, I think, is not only good for sports, but it was good for uh, a guy who people probably doubted that game when he dropped a few balls. So um, bad, yes, he caught it. But the good thing about it, it was two of my favorite people in the world. Well, do you, um, go ahead, Kyle. No,
1: do you do you consider, like, Niners-Packers a rivalry?
3: Great question. Great <laughs> Thank question. You. That's platinum question. Because you guys may be too young for this, but if you go back to the 90s, okay, it was three teams that dominated, Dallas, of course, mm-hmm. San Francisco, and the Packers, mm-hmm. and we were all, Chris and Kyle, we were all jockeying around, and the Cowboys went back to back, and we got far, and we stole, I hate to use the word stole, but we encouraged Reggie White not to sign with San Francisco. Oh, really? He was supposed to go to San Francisco. I mean, it's true. He was supposed to go to San Francisco, but um, Holm called him and left him a message. And he came to the Packers. So that way we won. But I'll say this, though. It just seemed like we knew we had to be one of them. And when Steve Mariucci went there, because he was on our coaching staff when I was young, in my younger years, when Coach Holmgren came from San Francisco, because it's always a tie, like Matt LaFleur mm-hmm. and Shanahan. It's a tie mm-hmm. there. We got Holmgren from San Francisco. He had won a Super Bowl and kind of taught us the winning ways. And I remember him saying, the two teams we got to beat is Dallas and San Francisco. If we want to win a Super Bowl. And I just remember going out to San Francisco and, uh, and winning that particular game. And getting to the next round or even getting us ready for the Super Bowl, just the winning culture. So those are the two dominant teams in the 90s. So we were able to break in there for about three every team seemed like they had three or four years in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And we really took advantage of ours. We went to two Super Bowls one-one and San Francisco, they had enough talent to win it every year. And of course, Dallas with the three-headed monster, they were gonna always be in the conversation. So that was. So that was fun playing those guys. Either you play them in the regular seat or you knew you you were going to play them in the uh, playoffs.
2: Yeah. Just just going back through it and, and looking at some of these games. I, I I feel less bad asking about that Owens catch because while you were with the Packers, you beat you guys beat <laughs> the 49 ers four times in the playoffs.
3: Yeah. I wasn't gonna say that, but it's your show. <laughs> <laughs> Are we supposed to be family?
2: Yeah, yeah. I I just wanted to placate the guest a little bit. It's not all bad for you.
3: It's all good. But I remember one in particular. Steve Young is probably, I admire him. He's probably top three quarterbacks I admire a lot that I played against. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, Favre is my favorite, but put him to the side. Steve Young is the guy that, it meant a lot to me because of where he came from, USFL, Tampa. He wasn't one of these guys who was thrown in an uh, organization. It was great. He had to replace a Hall of Fame Joe Money. right? And in every barbershop, I don't care what Tom Brady fans say, Joe Money is the best of all time. He's the GOAT. So I just admire where he came from. So playing against him... And I think another thing about Steve Young, I'll say in my opinion, my humble opinion, he's the smartest quarterback I've ever played against. The guy was brilliant. I mean, I think he was he was smart enough not to let the transition from Montana kind of mess him up in a way. Cause it mm-hmm. it could have did that with Aaron Rodgers with Brett, mm-hmm. but Aaron was a smart enough guy to say, hey man, listen, this is, you know this is the way it goes. So guess what? They're going to try to re- replace Aaron with Jordan love. So quarterbacks are, uh, they're a different animal. So it's just the way it is. And we were just lucky enough to be a part of it.
1: Was there ever a point this year, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, that you thought he wouldn't be the Packers quarterback this year? Zero. And Not, I was not the, even a little bit.
3: Nope. If you look at all of my quotes since April, he's going to play. And, and the reason why I say that is because I think a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who knows he's in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. who knows that he's made a lot of money, played with one franchise. For three years, the Brett Favre fan base just didn't like the guy. They just they thought he was pushing him out, and he just went through a lot, man, to get those keys to that franchise and for him to win a Super Bowl, two-time MVP. This offseason and the George love thing, you know, it's, see, I knew it wasn't a divorce. It was probably a separation. So you're technically still married, but you go through these transitions to say, do we still want to be together? And he's like, I'm not going to find a wife better than her. And I'm certainly not going to find a husband better than him. Okay. Let's get back together and see if it can work. Sure. So I always thought he would play. So that
2: being said, I I mean, it's. I think it's fair to ask the question, and and I'm sure it's you, you, you've been talking about it on your end nonstop, but how much do you think, just in your estimation, that all of the offseason stuff that went on with Aaron, with Aaron played into what happened week one? Because I think what happened week two against the Lions was sort of expected, right? Like, we know the Packers are still a super talented team and one of the best teams in the NFC, but in terms of week one, like, how much of that do you attribute to the off-season drama? Or was it just one of those games and one of those days where an NFL team just doesn't have it, a lot of things go wrong early on, things snowball, and it's not necessarily related to all of the other stuff that happened? Where, where are the Packers at in your estimation?
3: I think it's a little bit of both because if you read any headlines, whether it's true or not, that he doesn't want to play, if you're a young guy like you're Stokes, first round pick, Amari Rodgers, Josh Myers, they just got into the building. But if you're a a young guy that's in the building, you're thinking, wait a minute, he doesn't want to play? I mean, wait a minute, okay. So you kind of wait to see. And all Matt Lafleur did, which I thought was brilliant, just get him into the building. Once he get into the building, everything will be fine. But then every interview, I think Aaron has to give people some space to feel the way that he wasn't coming back. We saw these trade rumors and then allegedly uh, Madeline Fleur's brother and Shanahan had like a little communication issue with that for whatever reason. My, I think my guy Mike Silver reported that. And so I'm thinking behind the scenes, I'm sure John Lynch before he drafted Trey Lenz, hey, We'll trade for you, right? You want to come? I mean, yeah. let's make it work. Yeah. No, we're not trading it. Okay, John, say okay. I'm done. I'm going to draft my quarterback of the future, and it works out perfectly for them. But so, I think that it just seemed like to me after I'm going to go back to the Saints game for a minute. But after the Detroit game, it just seemed like Aaron kind of exhales there. Okay, now I told y'all I was the man. Now I got to go right. show you. <laughs> right. So you go back to the Saints game. A few things that you can unpack on that. So Darius Smith wasn't named a captain. That's in people's head. And then um, the actual distraction was the Saints playing in Jacksonville, went through a hurricane and went on the way. The families was displaced. They're down in Dallas. They, got, they put together all those distractions aside and still played, So that's not an excuse for the Packers not to beat them. you playing it. But if you think about it, Jameis Winston throws 30 interceptions, guys. I try to tell people he also played at Florida State. So he used to Jacksonville. And he also threw 30 uh, touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So the guy can go either way. He can look like Packers, and he can look like what he just looked like against the Saints. I mean, Carolina. That's rough. <laughs> right. So, so my thing is I'm gonna give Sean Payton the credit to getting this team with a secondary who was banged up, rookies. Marshawn Lattimore went inside, he hurt his thumb. I mean, it was a lot going on there, and they were able to put that aside and win. So I think it's a little bit of both. Distractions and the team just got beat. So I'm gonna give Payton and his staff a lot of credit.
1: And it sounds like you think it kind of clicked into place in that second half of the Lions game because the first half, it didn't look great either.
3: See, again, you're thinking, okay, um, Joe Barry's a lightning rod because he's the new coordinator. Mm-hmm. He has some. He knows Jerry Goff. They coach, I mean, he coached when the guy was in the building last year with the Rams. Mm-hmm. And it's, they're still trying to figure it out. Now, the offense, I'll give them some space to figure it out a little because you got a rookie center, very important. Mm-hmm. You have a rookie guard. And then you got some other inexperienced guys. Uh, then your offensive line is Mr. David Bottiari, who's I think the best left tackle. So you got Jenkins playing out of position. And they just never ran the ball against the Saints. I think Aaron Jones had five carries. This time he ran the ball, play action, everything kind of clicked. And it's on record what Matt admitted it. He went and talked to Joe Baird said, be a little more aggressive. And, and they play better. The second half, they got a interception, a couple of fumbles. And next thing you know, Detroit turned into Detroit and you win the game. What do you make
2: of, um, I haven't read up on what happened today. We're recording this Thursday evening in terms of the injury updates, um, yeah. but with Eric Bakhtiari out, uh, obviously Sunday night. And and now it looks like Elton Jenkins, uh, mispracticed this week with, uh, um, I think it's an ankle injury. Yeah. yeah. There, it seems like there's there could be a lot of shuffling around. How, how do you think that situation is going to play out for Sunday night? And given that Nick Bosa is lining up on the other side and looks like he's pretty well recovered from his ACL injury, how much of an issue could that be for the Packers offensive line?
3: Well, it was an issue when everybody was healthy with those front four guys, especially if Eric Armstead, if he's available, I think he's a little banged up. But that guy, man, he took over the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't even have a name. He's just 91, you know. (laughs) Just, I mean, defensive player in my mind is Freya Warner. I think he's the top three linebacker in the league. The guy's just a brilliant middle linebacker. But now, but I think Jenkins may be okay because he said he feels fine, but they're just going to hold him out. But you'll probably get Billy Turner at left tackle, Runyon at left guard, Myers at center, and then you'll get Kelly at right tackle, and then, you know, Royce Newman at right guard. They'll probably start that way, but who knows? But you'll see a lot of multiple tight end sets. And to be honest with you, you're playing a team that mirrors the same offense. Mm-hmm. That's why on our show today, guys will call it, well, oh, San Francisco, they don't have any running backs. The Packers don't have anything to worry about. I say, okay, let's revisit <laughs> that. First of all, I want to say um, my prayers to Rohan Mustard. Um, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. And I pray he come back next year. I think he can still run a 4-3 even with a hurt knee. The guy's brilliant. Mm -hmm. He's a great running back. But it was a running back by committee. Mm -hmm. Garoppolo threw the ball nine times when uh, the Packers played him a few years ago to go to the Super Bowl. Shanahan has a system you don't know these running backs Mitchell and Sermon you don't know these nobody has these guys in fantasy but if with a committed they would beat you if they can run the football right. and i think the system would beat you not the players in Shanahan's system yeah that makes sense
1: uh one of the things with the speaking of the packers defense i noticed they don't have a sack yet this season no. is that because Darius Smith is out or is there a larger issue with the packers front
3: seven Well, uh, the semantics part of that is, I don't know how they, they, uh, the statistic, but Rashad Gary runs in there, he drops the ball, they probably could have gave him a sack, but your point is correct. But if you're Darius Smith, let's be honest, come on, let's be honest. If you're Darius Smith, last two years you've led Packers and sacks and pressures and all that, Mm -hmm. and you weren't voted a captain, and then you see that they don't have a sack or pressures or anything, or making a quarterback uncomfortable, you say maybe they made a bad decision. He's probably thinking that to himself. So Joe bear has got to create some pressure by bringing more than, you know, five at times. But I don't want to leave anybody with George Kittle (laughs) one-on-one. I I mean, I'm the only guy that can shut George Kittle down, okay? I'm 53. (laughs) You can do it today. Nobody can stop that guy. (laughs) And he's on my fantasy team, too. And my nephew goes, are you playing him? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> weeks, the Packers gave a touchdown to tight ends, of course. But Devo Samuels is a guy who is really making some big strides. He's a big play guy. But old Juke only has one catch. So they have weapons. But I think what the Packers are going to do is play Stokes a little bit more, move King inside, get the three best guys out there. And you know what Shanahan is saying. I mean, if we FaceTiming right now, he goes, I would love for you to do that because I'm just going to run the ball. Right. You turn defenders into tacklers and they just like their chances. So do you still think, based on
2: what you've seen and, and the injuries to Bakhtiari and Zadarius Smith, do you still view the Packers as a top echelon team in the NFC right
3: now? No question. Yeah. Because the system Matt Lafleur's system is amazing he can do just like Shanahan he can plug and play I mean not many people with the hard count of Aaron Rodgers can put a center to replace the best center in football in my opinion Corey Leslie second round pick put him in there and he looks like a veteran Royce Newman that, I mean, although they put Cam Jordan on the inside of him, he was able to get some pressure called that interception. They just put guys in and it's just plug and play. Cause they have two good systems. And as long as you have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, you're going to have an opportunity to right. score points. So I definitely consider them more because realistically, there's only four teams on both sides. They have a realistic chance of beating Tom Brady Cause right now nobody can beat him. Right. The guy had COVID and beat that. <laughs> I mean, the guy eats. So I don't think he's human. He needs to donate his body to the Smithsonian so we can study him. <laughs> I don't believe he's forty-four. I want to see his birth certificate. This guy <laughs> has a dimple in his chin. He's, he got a perfect family. His kids are good-looking. He's good-looking. His wife good-looking. He wins a Super Bowl without Belichick. This is a dream, right. And in the locker room, every locker room it should be hashtag beat Tom Brady. We should all collude together to beat him, <laughs> to get him out of the league, man. It's, it's, and the guy saying what to play these fifty, I believe him.
1: Are the so if if it's the if it's the Buccaneers are at the top of the NFC, yeah. You've got the Packers up there, kind of maybe in the next tier. Are the Forty Nine ers in the same tier as the Packers?
3: Do you think? Uh the 49ers got too many injuries right now. And then if people shut that run down, is Jimmy Garoppolo, is he the guy to make the throws that you need? And maybe that's I don't think the dual quarterback works. Mm-hmm. But they want to sprinkle the young quarterback in and make some get some experience, fine. I just think that people are kind of on to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But without Robert Solemn, the defense still played a great game against Philly. I just think that that's the best division in football with Seattle, the Rams, with Matthew Stafford. They're going to beat each other up. Yeah, Arizona, I I picked them to win it, that division. So that's what's going to hurt 49ers. See, the Packers, they got nothing to worry about. (laughs) You got Chicago, you got Detroit, Minnesota, which everybody lost the first week. So you got to – get out of your you gotta win your division first to kind of yeah. for people to level you up there but hey man anything can happen
2: um i i feel like it'd be a missed opportunity to have the creator of or the originator of the lambo leap mm-hmm. on the podcast and not ask them about it so i mean how did that come about and like how much do you enjoy that like one of the most famous celebrations in the nfl was something that you created
3: I love it because of our fan base, in my opinion, it's the best fan base of any sports because not only, not only are their owners, they, they just, they're, they're our DNA of what we try to do. And Green Bay, there's no, uh, well, the Bucks are not uh, Milwaukee. So are the Brewers. They, it's just the Packers. 1919, they've had their team. I mean, and it just seemed like to me that they 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 understand that what they're doing is unprecedented. So they expect a lot. So when that celebration, when I did that back in 1993, as I look at it now, and it was all spontaneous pretty much, knowing that the fans are incorporated in it makes me feel good. It was something I did by myself it would be more selfish. Mm -hmm. But to jump up there and to thank your fans for buying the worst seats in the stadium is pretty amazing. (laughs) I mean, no one wants to sit in the end zone. Now everybody wants to be in the end zone so they can catch somebody. And uh, my good friend, Robert Brooks, man, he made it really famous when he wrote a song about it. And everybody kept doing it a few years later, and it just blew up. And now every now and then you see other guys around you know, thanking the fans. I mean, we missed the fans in the pandemic. And t- to know that they can high five players at any time is truly, I, in my humble opinion, is the best celebration because it's not about an individual, it's about a fan base. It's the Green Bay Packers.
1: That wall is really high. Were you confident yeah. you were going to get up there?
3: Well, they changed it. <laughs> they changed it, Kyle. It was maybe about six one, maybe six two. now, I think it's like six, four. Those two inches is a big difference because of the padding and all that. Right. But it don't, I tell, don't worry about it. The fans will help you. Pull you when You <laughs> score a touchdown, it's always like a delay. Like where do I want to jump? And the fans are ready. So as you're jumping, they'll just pull you up. You sit there for less than three seconds, take a picture or whatever, uh, you know, the, the from the game and you get out and you celebrate with your teammates. That's awesome. So, all right,
2: cool. good. Yeah, we'll get you out of here on this. Um, what's your prediction for, for Sunday night?
3: Well, I'll say this. Um, we're going to go. I'm not really an analytics guy because I was bad at math. I don't know who <laughs> invented algebra. I really don't. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> who needs that stuff? Yeah,
3: I know, right? Eye tests, purely eye tests. I say that San Francisco, um, I picked them to win 31 to 28 on one network and I picked them to win 28 to uh, 17 on another one I just think the eye test the defense just don't look good enough to go on the road to win but regardless of what we say when players see this or hear this or fans the players dictate that we're just guessing
1: right oh yeah oh
2: yeah we're
3: just guessing but if you honest with yourself looking at the eye test the defense is still kind of moving around and although the injuries with the 49ers i mean i mean i don't know who they're gonna to have a to running back it doesn't really matter but if, if fred if 54 is there ain't a lot going on but that guy's amazing <laughs> so i think i think the uh 49ers uh win the game
1: awesome well Leroy, you've been uh, super generous with your time thanks so much i've been looking for an excuse to get out to milwaukee and I learned today that I can get uh, the leap vodka out there and I'm a big yeah. Moscow mule guy. So uh, that's just another excuse up, to no try and get out there. All right. my man. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do that for sure. Uh, Leroy, thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.
3: Thanks for and doing again, this, man. Uh, my prayers go out to Raheem Most. I want him to come back. Hundred percent. So please pass the word. Thank you.
2: Hey, he's a, he's a free agent after the season. So maybe if the uh the Packers open up the open up the wallet, maybe he can oh, he can come to Green Bay.
3: Oh we would love him. Speed, <laughs> are you kidding me? We put him in the slot. Let's go 50 <laughs> points a game.
2: <laughs> I love it. But thanks again for coming on, man. And uh hopefully hopefully we can do this again. Maybe these two teams will match up in the playoffs again and we can have you back.
1: No problem.
3: Kyle know how to get me, just holler at me.
1: Sounds right off. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate you, man. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.